Hello, and welcome to this first episode of Book Club, a podcast for readers. I'm Karen, joined by Maggie, Michael, Malika, and Caroline. And today we're discussing Anxious People by Frederick Backman. As we get started, we're going to open with some of our individual descriptions of the book. Maggie, we'll go to you. So I would describe the book as a story of a desperate mother who makes a series of bad decisions, one of which leads to a hostage situation uh, whereby people's lives become forever entangled and ultimately changed for the better. I would actually describe it as kind of anxieties that people deal with on an everyday basis. You know, things that might be going on behind the scenes that you might not see when you first meet them, kind of first interactions, but, you know, everybody has their own anxieties, whether you see it or not. I would describe it as a everyday story in the sense like, yes, the hostage situation cannot happen to everybody, but more like uh, how human emotions are in different situations and you can relate to each and every character at some level and yeah it's it's just very hard i can't put a name to this book but anxious people i guess is the best way to describe it <laughs> for me anxious people is a book that reminds us that it's we're all out here trying our best and it's sometimes being a human can be hard And to me, Anxious People is the story of a bank robbery gone so wrong, it leads to new lifelong friendships and romances, uh, featuring witty, endearing prose and lovably foolish characters. It's a touching story of love, loss, and empathy. And then we will go into the official description. So officially... Looking at real estate isn't usually a life-or-death situation, but an apartment open house becomes just that when a failed bank robber bursts in and takes a group of eight strangers hostage. As the authorities and the media surround the premises, these reluctant allies will reveal surprising truths about themselves and set in motion a chain of events so unexpected that even they can hardly explain what happens next. So the main thing sounds like bank robbery and people. (laughs) (laughs) So as we get into our discussions, we can start with uh, what was everyone's feelings in, say, the first quarter of the book as you got into it. So full disclosure, I read it twice. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the first time, I felt it was the most haphazard writing ever (laughs) but it was also very funny a lot to keep track of a lot of dots to connect the second time I was a little better prepared because I was like okay I actually wrote it this down all the connections there was a bridge connection there was a hostage situation connection but mostly it was a bridge connection (laughs) (laughs) I agree I found the first chapters to be overwhelming and so I felt like I was working overtime to understand the connections between the characters anticipating that drama would ensue based on those (laughs) connections but ultimately rewarding in the last quarter of the book when it all came together so worth it but initially for me it was overwhelming yeah I would say it for me in the first quarter it it took some work to keep track of 
everything that was happening, really just trying to figure out what the book was about. You know, you have the description on the back talking about a bank robbery, and I'm like, then why are we talking about all of these people? Who are <laughs> these? Why do I care? So, um, it was slow going for me to like get into it, but it does uh, pay off in the end. You just gotta work for it a little. <laughs> Yeah, definitely an interesting start. I personally really enjoyed the writing style and just the the haphazard way, as Malika said, just made it to me very funny. Um, so even though you're dealing with kind of serious topics at different points. And then the other thing that I kind of kept thinking back on is, is it all going to tie together to this one bridge? Or is everybody going to have some background connection? Because the first couple characters you meet were all tied together in a very similar way. So I was kind of curious if that was going to be a, an interesting or fun hook as part of this book. Um, not necessarily true, but everybody was still connected in some way, even if it wasn't all the same way. Yeah, I feel like I I might have had a slightly different first experience because my first note on page one was killer opening. Going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> I was on board from the word go. My second note was... How does one get to write like this? I want to write like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting how for, I feel like for some people, it's like, I really got into the patter of it, um, but I can totally see how it can be. I, I do remember having some of the like, where's the bank robber? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it took for how much the robbery factors into even how we all described the book it does come in pretty late for, True. for yeah. the plot speaking of the bank robber does anyone want to go into their like theory timeline of who they thought the robber was <laughs> i have mine but we can start elsewhere <laughs> i didn't speculate i really made some really broad assumptions the only thing i flagged was the picture of the three animals and the description of the frog and the monkey mm -hmm. and the way it said in the mother's belly, this is what they did. And being a new mom, that really resonated with me. And I think I wasn't clever enough to go there, but I knew that there was something. It's like, there's no way that if the bank robber was a father, but it just didn't make sense. So I flagged that, but I am curious to hear you all's theories. Yeah, wow. I was so curious to hear your take on that, Maggie, because I just totally glossed over it. <laughs> it was the one thing. Yeah. I was like, I am picking up on this. The second time through, because I read that part at least twice, I was like, oh yeah, this should have been very obvious. But the first time, it was just didn't even register for me. Yeah, I think for me... No theories. I was really, I like came into the book. I was reading no thoughts, just vibes. Like we're here. I'm just trying to keep track of like the named characters and how like they connect together. So I didn't even get to the bank robber really. All right, Karen. So yes, Karen. Would you like? So to I once yeah. I once again had a very different experience. <laughs> Page nine. <laughs> No chance the robber is one of the quote-unquote hostages? 
I okay, good. I'm later impressed. in the book. And I felt like that was a misdirection by the narrator. Oh, is yeah. Talking about the real estate agent. And then they would kind of say like, oh, we all left with the bank robber. And then they'd say, oh, wasn't the real estate agent with you? Of course, the real estate agent was there. Mm-hmm. And so that happened like two or three times. I felt like that's just too much to be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I basically fell for every twist <laughs> that the author tried to put in there. I think my most extreme theory was I thought that Roger had died and Anna Lena had the robber pretend to be her husband and that's why she like burst into tears during her police interview. Ooh. Oh, that is wild. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Okay. Um, so that's probably the farthest afield I went. And then later I was like, ah, of course it's the real estate agent I should have known from the beginning. <laughs> um, and then I felt very silly. <laughs> it's like, that's why they talked about the layout so much is because it's the stupid real estate agent. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think other than the mother womb thing, which was a huge clue, I felt like the other part was the emphasis on the layout of the apartment and Roger kind of helped give it away when he was so obsessed with knocking on the walls and understanding the space. That to me was the other big clue Mm. that I missed. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that always tickled me on the real estate agent, which is like I bought into it, but then I was always like, there's something that doesn't quite tie because they talked about how the bank robber parent lost their job. I was like, well, they own their real estate agency, so I don't see how that's a thing if they're still working. Oh, see, I thought the real estate agent just didn't show up to her own showing. (laughs) (laughs) Same. You know, yes. The first time I read it and that was, oh, the robber is the real estate agent. I'm like, well, she does sound pretty bad. (laughs) A very bad real estate agent. So it is very possible. (laughs) I figured, like, okay, because they keep talking about who on earth hosts an open house the day before New Mm -hmm. Year's Eve, I think it was. And I was like, oh, it's some sort of virtual open house where the real estate leaves the door open for people. Like, something that's kind of where my mind was going. But while we're on the awful real estate agent, (laughs) can we talk about house tricks? Oh, (laughs) So bad. Thank you. Does it, does it make sense? I no. couldn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Follow-up question, though. Is that like a translation thing? That's That was oh, going to be wonder. one of my things. I feel like I want to give the translator enough credit to say it's supposed to not make any sense, but I'm sure there's some sort of pun. Like, I literally tried to write it out, like, sound it out. House tricks. House tricks. House tricks. Like, try... <laughs> <laughs> I'm Made just no imagining sense. you yeah. in front of a mirror just okay. saying this. How Karen. Strix? How's Ricks? <laughs> <laughs> All I could think was that it was supposed to be so stupid that it caused the reader to say, wait a minute, something is wrong with this person. <laughs> Clearly Absolutely. something is awry. I came up with nothing. That, yeah. So is is he Swedish? Yes. 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 Stockholm. 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. So if we end up with any Swedish listeners who want to write in, <laughs> does this pun make sense in the in the original language? Or is it just, or is it just <laughs> awful? Yes. 
All right. I'm glad we could get that out of the way early. (laughs) (laughs) It's really weighing on your spirit until then. Wasn't it? That that entire interview with the real estate agent, my teeth were, I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) Oh, I found it hilarious because it was so ridiculous. And that's why we are married. Yeah. (laughs) Every time she said the name of her place, it was the house tricks real estate agency house trick i always imagine her like screaming too because it was all in caps so yeah house tricks house ah. tricks the next question i had was the the moment when i think i fell in love with this book was there's it's at the end of one of the chapters and it just says what if this is actually a story about a bridge and for whatever reason that just hit me like a ton of bricks Because, like, there are so many chapters where they're like, what if this is actually this kind of story? And what if this is actually this kind of story? And then the idea that this is a story about a bridge where something tragic happened and then some very opposite of tragic, wonderful things happen. That part just really has stuck with me. I am 100% not lying. As I read that, it's after Zara is talking with her therapist and they are contemplating the painting Mm -hmm. and Nadia, the therapist, is saying, is sort of getting into, oh, it's a picture of a bridge. I had been thinking before I read that line about talking in this podcast and I was thinking about the fact that it is a story about a bridge. I was like, oh, Bridges are such wonderful symbols. That's going to be great conversation. And then the author stole my line and was like, this is a story about a bridge. And I just like face palm. I was like, yes, I was thinking the same thing. It also made me embarrassed because like, oh, it took me that long to get there. Like, okay, they had to spell it out for me. But I completely agree. And I think that a bridge is a wonderful symbol. And I loved that part too. I'm glad Mm. you called that out. I also, speaking of Nadia, the therapist, that was a really interesting point. Like something I've learned is as you become more used to seeing things, you begin to notice new details. And the fact that not it never occurred to Nadia that in her painting, there's someone standing on a bridge. Mm-hmm. found that really interesting how it took Zara coming in as mm. a patient to be like, well, I think it's someone contemplating standing on the edge of this bridge to bring that to even the therapist's attention even though it was in fact nadia who was standing on the bridge who was saved by Mm -hmm. jack which is even more compelling that she actually was in that position and yet even in that moment it wasn't necessarily that she was contemplating jumping and even zara says later jack didn't save you Mm mm-hmm which is another kind of interesting, like, it's important to Zara that Nadia feel like Nadia saved herself. Which I don't know if we want to get into it, but it's, it's a, <laughs> I think it's a lovely giveaway about Zara's mm-hmm. true nature. Yeah, I went back and forth on her a lot <laughs> throughout the <Yeah>. book. <laughs> My initial feelings were not great, <laughs> 100%. I think I fell in love with the book just because... Even though it was all over the place in the beginning, the author had a way to just keep you engaged somehow. And it was funny. A lot of jokes I got, a lot of them I didn't, a lot of bad jokes. (laughs) Really bad jokes. (laughs) But as it developed, it just got not really serious, but it highlighted so many aspects about 
an everyday life and everyday emotion of different people and it was done in a non psychology book based right i'm curious do you all feel like the book is titled anxious people would you describe the characters as anxious i'm not sure that i necessarily would assign that state of being to many of the characters I think I would, but I would say that they each have different flavors and it it does kind of speak to how much anxiety has almost lost meaning nowadays. Mm -hmm. I don't know if in like a psychology sense, if they like went in, would they be diagnosed with some anxiety disorder? But I think it could be where like, Zara has so much anxiety about this letter that she has to keep it with her but never look at it for a decade. And Julia and and Roe, they have their own (laughs) (laughs) unique flavors of anxieties. I don't even know if we can fully describe them, (laughs) but yes, they are their own different flavors of neuroses. But yeah, I think they all have different flavors. I'm kind of in the same bucket of, I don't know that they're clinically have anxiety, but they're all anxious about taking that next step, wanting that next house. There's a gun in their face. Who wouldn't be anxious? (laughs) So I think they do kind of experience a variety of anxious feelings that make it true to the title of anxious people. Yeah, some of the characters bend more sad, anxious. I'm thinking Anna mm. Lena, mm-hmm. Estelle, whereas other characters, I identified with their anxiety more of, oh, you are feeling nervous about being a new parent, or you are feeling anxious about your impact on this person from 10 years ago. That's a good point. And actually, I'm very curious to like go around and to see who was everybody's either favorite character or who did you just identify with the most? great question (laughs) i I love this question so much i'm so excited i'll start my favorite character was zara when we first get introduced to her she's a terrible person i'm like i hate her but i love her so like i have always been like team zara she's the one i'm this is my character one of the things she said that was like off the wall bonkers was when she was talking with nadia and she's like well, what if I had said that I'd gotten a cancer diagnosis? And then she (laughs) was just like, just kidding, don't have cancer. But that's why democracy doesn't work. (laughs) And it was just so off the wall. I was like, she's for me. (laughs) So So Zara was also my favorite. (laughs) Um, For similar but different reasons some of it was coming from which a lot of us in the room have but coming from a business background as someone who's trying to balance not being a terrible person with but I actually understand how international economies work and we need to have some level sets about (laughs) what everybody can do here my favorite Zara moment was an insult that I will never be mean enough to use but she says to someone By any chance, did your parents have the same surname before they met? (laughs) Part of me wishes I could just be that brutal. (laughs) But yeah, the way she 
is ensconcing herself in so many protective layers of intelligence and brusqueness that you know how much pain she must be in underneath is what really drew me to to Zara. I'm literally team Zara as well. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The second time I read the book, I loved her even more <laughs> than the first time. Because it's a podcast, I can't use the exact words that I thought when I first saw her interview. But really annoying character in the beginning. Extremely factual, which makes more sense. But oh my god, her character development was amazing. The little things like emergency stop button in the elevator so no one can see her emotions Mm -hmm. to the point like in the end when Roger says, oh, we'll just play dumb. Well, that won't be too hard for you. (laughs) (laughs) And then saying that, oh, I meant it as a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing woman through and through. I absolutely loved her. I think she was by far and away the most intriguing character. Definitely. I wanted to get to know her more when I think about like who's a cool hang. Definitely would love to enjoy a bottle of wine with Zara. <laughs> I think though, maybe on the other side of the coin, I really admired Nadia's character. I think that she was she had a grounded confidence that I admired and wanted to aspire to she seemed really sure of i am good at my job i know what i'm doing and things are going to be fine she just had a real inner calm that mm-hmm. i mm. found centering in this book that often felt delightfully chaotic yeah her and zara's interactions were always Tough always notch. enjoyed those chapters I'll, I'll take a slightly different tact. I, I'll agree with everyone. Zara was the most interesting character. But I'll go with Leonard. Just because he oh. was so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, like, imagine making a business of just <laughs> ruining other people's <laughs> house showing experiences Creative. to drive the price down. Gap in yeah. the market. <laughs> exactly. It was very smart. But just to, I don't know, have the courage, I guess, <laughs> to do that. Was just and his interactions with Zara after were also very interesting. I always thought they had really interesting conversations. So we're gonna take a quick break and be back with you soon. And welcome back. Before we dive back into it, we'll start with some brief housekeeping notes. You can contact us at bookclubcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at BookCubCast, and we're also on Patreon, and you can find those links in the show notes. And don't forget to do all of the things you do when you like a podcast. Subscribe, five-star reviews, all of that good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And we should mention our friend and special guest Maggie had to leave us. She is a new mother and for some reason babies have schedules that don't allow for (laughs) podcast recording times so we will miss maggie but glad she could join us for the beginning jumping back in we kind of left off with favorite characters a lot of team zara and the natural follow-up question is least favorite characters or i prefer to think of it as characters we either least engaged with or were outright triggering (laughs) (laughs) well i guess i can get started first quick question of my own in your heads did you all say annalena or annalena lena 
Lena. 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 All right, I think I was the only team Annalena then. <laughs> <laughs> I will toss my hair over my shoulder, metaphorically, and say that's because I've been watching a lot of Scandinavian police uh... dramas. One of them has a character named Lena. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try to switch, but if I mess up... We will judge yeah, you. So. <laughs> I would say it, it's kind of a tie between Anna Lena and Roger. I, uh, it, I And I like the twist with them. You know, that they found out at the end. But to me, Roger was just a very annoying, like, overbearing character. And I think the cool twist there is you just expect him to have always been like that. Like, he was the man of the family. He was the breadwinner. And just whatever he said went. And to find out that wasn't necessarily the case for the majority of their lives was, was cool. And I think that softened me towards them. But for the most part, anytime they were doing something or on screen, I was just like, ah. I was thinking about, I think the real estate might be my least favorite, but she gets so little airtime that actually she's she's more of a background annoyance. Mm. I'd say I had the most trouble with Jules. It's hard to put into words just something about her graded for me. I was much more, like, I can understand where she was coming from with a lot of things, but I was just much more empathetic to Roe than to Jules. I find that surprising, because I could not stand Roe. <laughs> she, oh, man, when she was, like, stress-eating limes, like, that, it's like, that she was, like, it. when she's looking at the walk-in closet, and it's like, it'd be perfect for my cheeses, I was like, Okay, sure, we all have hobbies, great. <laughs> yeah, when she was stress-eating limes, she lost me. And, you know, we find more out more about her character, and she has anxieties, but between the birds, the cheese, the limes, just eating anything and everything under the sun at not their home, she was not for me. That makes me think about how the two of them, actually all of the couples were split, for that time period where some are in the closet mm. and some are out in the hall, which might speak to something. I don't know what, but yeah, indeed. As a quick aside, I did love the lime eating scene with Anna Lena. <laughs> you can't eat those. They're viewing limes. <laughs> I know. I was like, what's a viewing yeah. lime? <laughs> I think for me, it was Anna Lena. For example, it's just, it really bothers me that if someone is very strong, independent, man, woman, doesn't matter. The fact that they change so much to enable someone else, that for me is like, no, uh-uh, not going to happen. But I get it. She was doing it for the happiness of her husband. But this is not to become me, to make someone else happy is no go. I think for me, I didn't see her as changing. I saw her as being that way at work as well and it, oh. it could just I think this is 100% interpretation in my mind she was the type of person who was just so good at her work that it didn't matter that she wasn't a hard push aggressive person That's, you know you're yeah. right because in the end of the book they do talk about how her boss thought she was perfect to become a senior analyst because she's not bossy she's like oh you do what you do best and it's okay and the fact that when she was leaving two of the people who actually report to her did not even know that she was the boss 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, no, you, you're <laughs> in that interpretation. <laughs> but it is fair to say that she shouldn't feel guilty that she and her husband agreed he would yeah. be... They thought it would be taking turns, like, she'll get promoted this year, he'll get promoted next right. year. Right. Yeah. So they, she should not feel guilty that they agreed he would be the more stay-at-home parent. I felt empathetic for her feeling bad about her success, which is sad in its own way. And I wanted yeah. to shake her by the shoulders and be like, don't lie. <laughs> yeah, don't regret being successful. <laughs> but yeah, I see where you're Yeah, but also ideas. like, is it really a self-imposed guilt or she actually felt that because of Roger? Maybe. I, I think it was more self-imposed personally than anyone saying that. But Roger, I guess, in his behavior was almost telling that I am probably like this because you are successful. And I think that goes to a lot of the story. There are a lot of things that are unsaid Mm -hmm. that you think what the other person is thinking and feeling without actually ever communicating with them. And so you react to how you think they're feeling and then they react to that. And then it blows out of proportion kind of with, Annalena and Roger and then with Jim and Jack how they Mm -hmm. so much unsaid in their relationship Mm. and it drove me nuts it's (laughs) an interesting commentary on relationships and a reminder to have open communication channels thank you (laughs) yes sometimes with Jack and Jim I'm like oh dear god is it like a father-son thing that they just don't talk yeah I found Jack and Jim particularly moving because of that line early on where the author says something like Jim said that phrase of it was something like he wanted to say that thing that fathers can never say to their sons which is I see you're hurting and that hurts Mm. me yes and I do think that that's something that's and this is a generalization, but I think that that's very carried over from older generations where you just don't talk about what you're feeling. So even if they want to, they don't know how to, they don't have the emotional training. So yeah, it can be very frustrating, but it's something I also relate to very closely and that I try to be a mind reader. I try to like preempt what anyone else is going to think, feel, say. So yeah, it, it's very frustrating in that it's very recognizable and relatable. <laughs> very human. 100%. Yeah. Very human. Mm-hmm. I think the author, I have to sh- give a shout out to the author on this, that they did such a good job in leaving those things unsaid enough that every reader will immediately talk about this. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, this was moving. Yes. And just in the expression sometimes. When I always get confused. Who was the son? Jack or Jack? Jack. 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 So Jack is like yelling at the real estate agent. No, you are the robber. I know. And in that chapter, Jim is just standing there looking angrily at the real estate. And just in that phrase, it's like all the emotions that could be interpreted in that one line. It's like, well, I know the truth. My son doesn't know the truth. The real estate agent is not very smart. (laughs) But my son is angry, so I'm angry about that as well. This is giving me thoughts about a related but different question, which is I think there was a lot of thought put into names in the books. One was I wondered if Jules and Roe would be a play on Juliet and Romeo. 
Oh. Oh. And the other one was Jack and Jim are both nicknames for James. It could be a senior junior thing, but I was also thinking like, are these two reflections of the same person in a way, like some sort of father son connection in in that way? I, I thought Zara like some sort of biz cap rich capitalist a commentary on on Zara the story. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> which is which is where it started to be a more of a stretch. But something about that spoke to me. Yeah, the, especially the fact that they're two different nicknames for the same name. Mm. I actually did not know that that is the nickname for James. So that's the new knowledge for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I did not put that much thought into the names. But <laughs> except for the Jim and Jack, because it, you know, they're family. A father son, you know, helped raise them, helped mold them. Your children are in some ways, you know, they're not a full reflection of you, but they're part of you, but not you. And therefore, it's kind of the parallels with the name is interesting. But I didn't really think about the jewels in a row until... Yeah, that's smart. That until is. now. Yeah. So, <laughs> look at you, that literary <laughs> queen. Need me, need someone to overthink. <laughs> Named it, since I couldn't come up with all of them, I feel less secure in it, but <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> I did notice on the names how some characters were only known by their names and some characters were not. Yes. Yeah, they're only known by their title. To, do we know Jim's wife, Jack's mother's name? No. Or do they just always refer to her as either mother or wife? I don't remember. Yeah, the yeah, fact that we don't know. Yeah. Because I thought they did, but now that you mention it, I can't yeah. think of what it was. I don't think so, they did. I just wondered about that. Like they talked the, about her a lot, talked about her profession, talked about yep, what she does. You know a lot about her, yeah. And you know a lot about her except her name. <laughs> I'm sure there's something to be spoken of in that as well. Like, of course, he doesn't give us the bank robber's name because yes. that's the yeah. big twist. Mm-hmm. And for a while, he doesn't give us Nadia's name. Yep. Real estate agent. Real yeah, estate, real estate yeah. agent doesn't have a name. I think mm-hmm. the guy who jumped off the bridge, you never know his name. No. Oh. No, you no. don't. There's probably something to be said there. I think there's something to be said on how some people maybe become known by certain things like there are some mothers who become defined as mm-hmm. mothers Mother. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the man who jumped um this is so sad though yeah right? the therapist i think it's easy for therapists to be defined as therapists because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you don't usually get to know their inner lives all that much and you really didn't find out her name until you found out about who she was yeah mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. outside of just her therapy role basically Mm -hmm. and i think that feeds into one of our other things we've talked about is how kind of overwhelming and confusing the narrative could be like i know i found it kind of tricky to keep track of how many people there were in the apartment like there was one point i was sitting there counting on my fingers trying to work out how many people should be involved did anyone find that additive or negative to the story I honestly took it as a, a little bit of a commentary mm. on just life today. You get so much information. There's so many different things coming at you all the time. To keep it straight is difficult. And even something as simple as this, but simple as a hostage drama. <laughs> but, you know, you've got a set cast of characters, but keeping everybody there straight, even though it wasn't a large number, I think was part of that. I had to write it down. I literally have a page in my notebook. Two pages, but... 
three. (laughs) 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 Not completely full pages, but three. I want to make a list of all the hostages and my initial gut reaction to them. One, I made a list of everyone who is connected to that man on the bridge. Like, not really connected, connected, but their stories are connected to that. And one about jokes about Stockholm. (laughs) (laughs) And I try to categorize, like, what they mean when they say Stockholm. (laughs) Basically, anything which is not in the town is Stockholm. Mm -hmm. I did enjoy that part with Anna. It was, oh my God. I loved it so much. (laughs) Oh, you know. Stockholm. Yeah, they're <laughs> <Yeah>. from Stockholm. <laughs> they are Stockholmers, not Stockholmers. I feel like that was a little bit of a cultural thing. Like, I've never thought of a capital city that way. But again, in my Nordic murder mystery shows that I watch, <laughs> they will, like, send in people from Stockholm. I think there's one show where they bring people from Stockholm to a different country oh. because they're, like, so <laughs> from Stockholm. <laughs> yeah. Because they're so good, so I that's an interesting kind of maybe cultural holdover. That, yeah, doesn't necessarily fully resonate. But you still get it. But, but <laughs> we're also, yeah, we get it. When, yeah. I can't remember if it was Amalena or Estelle who was saying they're from Stockholm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. When they're like, oh, not that there's Estelle. anything wrong right. not that, with being <laughs> from Stockholm. Stockholmers. <laughs> But yeah, like you instantly know what what she's going for, right? <laughs> 100%. Whether you don't need to know the native language to get that, right? Yeah. That <laughs> translates. Yeah. So I feel like we have not discussed the narrator so far. We'll jump into how do we feel about the narrator? <laughs> Maggie put in a question of does he or they seem anxious, <laughs> and how do we feel that impacts? The storytelling, the plot, the char- how we see the characters. I think there are many points in the book when I was like, is the narrator putting themselves... Like, for example, it was Zara's point of view about everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. And in that chapter, the few things the narrator described, I'm like, this can't be the narrator's opinion. This sounds more like Zara's opinion. So throughout it was kind of hard to catch but i almost want to think that the narrator was putting themselves into their shoes and then narrating it in that manner but i cannot be sure the zara one was 100 percent sure the way she described uh, people it was like "Eh, that's zara (laughs) yep yeah she has a clear voice (laughs) (laughs) i think it added to the haphazardness of the story is jumping around a lot there are a couple like short chapters especially early on where it's like i'm trying to remember what he said but it's like hey think about cookies for a second oh yeah Yeah. don't think about cookies think about the bridge and the man on the bridge and then go back to thinking about cookies because that's happier those types of things it added to the story it made it a little humorous but it also added to the haphazard it made it a little bit more hectic i think as a reading experience and the swans you're allowed to throw at the bridge. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> swans are the worst. I, I loved so all those scenarios where it's like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't throw stones at birds. Unless they're swans, because they're kind of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's interesting. I do think the narrator created the atmosphere that led to a bunch of confusion and misdirection. 
I don't know how I feel about the narrator other than the narrator was there. I had a good time. (laughs) But the one thing I did like that the narrator did was always kind of take us out and be like, this is a story about idiots. This is a story about anxious people. This is a story about a bridge. This is a story about love. So it was always very interesting to see how, as you got further into the novel, how the story kind of evolved. The characters were evolving too. So what the story was about was evolving. So I always found that very interesting. That's kind of my main thought about the narrative. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I found myself trying to decide if this would be a quote unquote unreliable narrator. And I don't think so because I don't think the narrator ever outright lies or like tries to like he tries to mislead you (laughs) in that they like make it very clear what they want you to be thinking but it's not the same as like the narrator outright lying and telling you the wrong information I did find I felt like the narrator and the characters actually talked too similarly like there was something about how similar they were that i found kind of off-putting or at least it made me a little off balance because it just felt like nobody talks like this it's a very literary style of writing that i can get into but as soon as all of the characters had a pretty similar pattern to their speech that i found more difficult to get into but I guess that's more of a writing style thing than a narration thing. So I think I found the narrator occasionally distracting, but overall I kind of liked the the tone. I think the narrator made good points at different times too about, you know, when we're talking about throwing stones at swans and the whole downstream of that was it's never okay to rob a bank unless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, it just makes you realize not everything's always black and white. You, yeah. you think yeah. of a bank robber and it's like, oh, they're always going to be this like outlaw, bad person, criminal, unless. Yeah. <laughs> and then you actually realize, oh, there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a few things that narrator says. I actually wrote them now because they cracked me up. One was, grass is greener on the other side because it is full of shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that line. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it yeah. so much. <laughs> I'm like, people always say grass is greener on the other side. They don't complete the sentence. (laughs) And the other was like when Roger was yelling from the top, Jim was trying to hear what he's saying and it's the order of pizzas and Mm -hmm. both of them cannot understand each other (laughs) but are yelling. (laughs) That was hilarious when I read it. So on that vein, I think my favorite scene in this whole book was the lime with the pizza order oh, hitting I'm Jack sure. in the face. <laughs> because it tied back to like the second chapter when yeah. he had the bump on his yeah. head, but trying you had to, no idea why. Trying to figure out where just, that came oh, from. Waiting. Yeah. <laughs> just a freaking lime. Oh, it was fantastic. And just oh imagining God. that scene and just like turning to look up and just yeah. lime in the I face. Did. <laughs> I did find myself questioning, like, okay, how high would a lime have to be to do that sort of <laughs> I damage? Agree. Right. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Let's run some physics models here. <laughs> I wanted to add a couple of my favorite quotes. One was, no one who's having a really good day spends it taking pictures of themselves. Mm. Yeah. There yep. were a lot of really subtle internet takedowns. Yes. <laughs> Social media and internet, yeah. 
Like I took that grass is greener as very social media, mm-hmm. Instagram esque. Yeah, there were a lot of good little little one liners. That was yeah. a lot highlighted in my book. So <laughs> <laughs> this might be a good round out question of what makes a feel good novel feel good? And is this a feel good novel? I'll start. I will say yes. I think it was a feel good novel. The thing for me is that throughout the entire book, even though there were very serious things happening, it never felt serious. There were enough random jokes or quotes mixed in that characters themselves just treated it so different. I mean, even when the bank robber first walked into the apartment and everybody was just almost dismissive at times, like depending on the situation. Roger was always demanding, like, what do you want? What are you doing here? Like, you got to give us a motive. Information. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I think that was it for me. And to cover if it's feel good or not, it's hard, hard to define. I'd say the end has to be positive, upbeat. People have to show positive character development. And I think pretty much everybody in this book did have that from who they were at the beginning to who they were at the end was a better version of themselves. Yeah, I think feel good has more to do with the concept of catharsis than actual like happiness, as it were. I think you can have a book that doesn't have what some people might consider a happy ending, but still have it be feel good. Like with Estelle's ending, she Mm. was much older than the rest of the cast, died earlier, but then the description of what her heaven might be like, I would still say it's kind of feel good because even though you're sad, it feels right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what feel good books are for me is they're ones that leave me feeling like the author understands me or, or we could understand each other in a way. And or I feel like even if the story didn't have a happy ending, it had a ending that made sense and kind of wrapped things together and left me feeling whole in a way like the story was whole the story was complete Mm -hmm. but yeah I so I would put this in the feel good category as well even though it made me cry several times (laughs) yes 100% they were tears where I was crying and I was like okay I knew this would was coming and I'm still crying like the fact that the letter said it wasn't your fault just destroyed me. That destroyed me. To add on to that point, I was reading this on my iPad, and so I've highlighted all the quotes that were poignant for me, and one of them was, of course, the contents of the letter, it wasn't your fault. And the note I have, because I was reading this on a plane, was, why am I crying on the plane right now, dear God? (laughs) So it was moving at times. I think I would qualify it as a feel-good book, but I've been trying to think of, like, what is it that makes something feel good? And for me, struggling with the definition, but some of it is, like, an ache that I relate to these people. I see something in them that I see in myself, and I sympathize with them, empathize with them. And maybe it's not a happy ending, but at least there's hope. I think if there was a bleak ending, I would burn this book down. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) so I think it's something where the ending is hopeful and that you feel like the story continues beyond the page and just that pain of 
relating to them and the author seeing something that you see in yourself. Those are kind of the things that make it feel good for me. Feel good, again, for me is like, I don't want to finish the book thinking, what the hell was that? Or wanting to throw it across the room. I'm like, I can't believe I wasted my time on this. I think why I feel that this is a feel-good book is, and I resonate with you, it's like, you're not alone. You are human. A lot of things is like, it's okay to feel those emotions that you are feeling. It's normal to be annoyed at yourself for feeling something. It's normal to be annoyed at other people because they are feeling something, which you would also in that situation, but you are still annoyed that why are they feeling that way? (laughs) (laughs) Overall, it's just like, it all turned out in the end. Yes, it was no end because life was still going for every character Mm -hmm. except poor Estelle. It just made me smile when I finished it. Overall, it just wrapped it up in a present and was like, here we go, have fun. <laughs> and that's why I feel, think it's a feel good. I will say I'm glad we got wrap-ups for everyone's stories, but it did feel like the book ended 20 times. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very fair. Agreed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have mixed feelings about, to, to wrap up your lovely description of feel-good books, I have mixed feelings about this book's actual endings, but yeah. but yes. And that, I think, will do it for us and anxious people. I believe it's a recommend from all of us. Everyone's nodding for this audio format. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. Yeah, 100%. Um, So, yes, we recommend Anxious People by Frederick Backman. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I apologize to Frederick. But thank you all for joining us. Our next episode will be out in about a month, and we look forward to being with you then. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.